Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. We're in a series I called Finishing Strong. And this is part five. We've still got a couple to go. So hang on, buckle up, and let's do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 has been our text for this series. Paul writes, Remember that in a race, everybody runs, but only one gets the prize. You also, believer, must run in such a way you will win. Get losing off your mind. God wants you to win. God has determined for you to win. Don't be a good loser in life or in spiritual battles. God wants you to win. In other words, it's not over till you win. God says you're more than a conqueror. That means you've won the fight before we even get in it, but you got to get in it. He says, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will rust and fade away, but we do it for an eternal reward. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Let me pause and say, your body never wants to do what it should do. They won't get up this morning. Don't want to exercise. Don't want to don't eat the vegetables. I want to eat the carbs. I, I don't want it. That body is screaming at you every day. And it never wants to do anything it should do. So God says, hey, you have control over it. You tell it what it's going to do. You make it do what it should do. Just like athletes who train for the Olympics and are training now will have to get up on a cold day, a rainy day. will have to forfeit eating some things they normally would so they can get their body in the best shape to be a winner. Right? This doesn't take a rocket scientist, right? Otherwise, if I don't, Paul says, I fear that after preaching to others, I'll be disqualified. So Paul tells us that every one of us, believer, is in a race. And that race began the day you accepted Jesus Christ. You're in this race for the rest of your life. So he says, since we're in this race, let's run to win. Now that thought alone is probably foreign to 75% of Christians. Don't just go out to run, run to win. Run with purpose, with focus, with intensity to win. Now we know this race lasts a lifetime. It's not a race for an hour or a day. It lasts your entire life. And we also said, we don't know when it will end. We know that one day it will end, but we don't know when. So I got to get up and run it today with the same intensity and freshness I ran it yesterday. So we also said God is more interested in what you are becoming than what you are doing. And if we're going to go the distance and finish well, we got to decide now, not two weeks before you die. So we saw last week that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God has given to us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him 
who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we ask the question that if God has given us all we need for life and godliness, why don't more Christians finish well? And we said, because they willingly chose to remove themselves out of the protection and power of God. And we looked at some. We also discussed the importance of a personal mission statement. A mission statement expresses your values, your philosophy, what you value, what's non-negotiable in your life. And I said, a good one for me would be, don't screw up. That's a good one. I don't need to pay a guy 5,000 bucks to go on a weekend retreat to script me out a mission statement. That, that will do it. That did it for the first astronauts uh, to the moon. That'll do it for me. Don't screw it up. Because it would simply mean I finished strong and went the distance. See, I don't want to mess up my marriage. I don't want to screw up my relationship with my children. And I don't want to screw up my integrity. I, I personally don't think anybody sets out to deliberately do it. But it does happen all the time. So, so we ended last week's lesson by saying there were four things everybody needs to do if we're going to go the distance and finish strong. Number one, we said stay in. Number two, stay close. Number three, stay away. Number four, stay alert. So we looked at the first one. These people who go the distance stay in the Word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Watch what you say. Make sure what you're saying in any circumstance is what God said. You'll never go wrong praying that and declaring that. But you shall meditate on my word day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So God says, that success is in your hands. I've given you what you need. Now, if you'll hear my word or read my word, whatever works for you, if you'll get that in you and think about it, chew it up, meditate on it over and over, and declare it when you're facing a trial, a setback, or some challenge, you'll have good success. You will. So it's in your hands whether you do or you don't. Psalms 119, David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart, that means to memorize it, that I might not sin against you. So you don't have to remember the address because addresses weren't given. Like Psalms 119, that didn't exist when David wrote it. It was just a letter. So many times over the years, I, I used to memorize the address, and then I figured, as uh, long as I know the word, it doesn't matter where the address is. And that's, that's a fact. So I can quote hundreds of scriptures from memory. I don't know where they all are, like what's the address, but I know that word, and that's, that's what has power, the word. So it'll come to me to warn me. It'll come to me to encourage me. It'll come to me to challenge me. It'll, it'll come to me to rebuke me. It'll, that's, when you, that's why a lot of people don't want to memorize it, because God's talking to me. That's exactly right. But it's to keep you in your boundaries so you do well. That's all. So memorize it. Get it in the Word. Get into church. Listen to it. I might, out of 35 minutes, only say one thing that the Holy Spirit will apply to you for some circumstance you're facing. And that one word could be life. You never know. You just never know. Number two, they stay close. They stay close to a friend. Stay close to a friend you can't con. Stay close to a friend you don't pay. 
Stay close to a friend who loves you enough to tell you when you're screwing up. Stay close to a friend who will never violate a confidence. What you say to them is more secret than the CIA. And a hot word right now in Christian circles is accountability. Accountability is a good thing when it's experienced within biblical parameters. Because one of the primary ways the enemy keeps any of us from finishing strong is to isolate us, pull us out of the body. Instead of being close to anybody, you become distant. Instead of gut-level honest, you start to shade the truth. And worse, you begin to act like you're following Jesus. Well, that's what happens when you get isolated and try to go one-on-one with the enemy. And by the way, Jesus never sent anybody out alone. Sorry, one, two by two, and then a threefold cord. So he never did it except in a pair as a minimum. Dr. James Houston wrote this, quote, sin always tends to make us blind to our own faults. Oh, yeah. Can anybody agree with that? We need a friend to stop us from deceiving ourselves that what we are doing is not so bad after all. We need a friend to help us overcome our low self-image, our inflated self-importance, our selfishness, our pride, our deceitful nature, our dangerous fantasies, and so much else. You, You need somebody who won't blow sunshine in your face all the time, who's not impressed with your money or your, or your power, or your position, or your fame, or your success, but loves you dearly and loves you enough to tell you the truth. I told you a few weeks ago I was walking on a beach in another nation with a good friend of over 30 years, and they're quite famous, and I remember saying to him, and I meant it with all my heart while we were sipping the coffee, I said, have you got anybody out of all these people sucking up to you and want to get on your stage and be notarized and be popular and use it for their own. Have you got anybody that ain't blowing sunshine in you, that actually cares about you, that can tell you you suck in this area, or that's dumb? Change that. Listen, that, they're rarer than teeth in a chicken. If you get one, you hold on to them. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12 and 13. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So the implication is you need encouragement, and you need it daily. See, if you don't have encouragement, well, you can be deceived by what you're doing that's wrong. You can become hardened, and you start to turn away from the Lord. So this kind of friendship that we're talking about is not a luxury. It is a necessity. I thank God for every friend I've got. I wouldn't be where I am without certain people who have spoken into my life or helped shape me in some good way to be a better man. That's important for all of us. See, I mean, who's your friend? I mean, Roy Rogers had Pat Brady. Gene Autry had Gabby Hayes. Matt Dillon had Chester. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. Batman had Robin. 
Somebody said to me in the other service, but Superman had nobody. Well, maybe you heard the story about Muhammad Ali when he was the reigning heavyweight champion of the world. Well, Ali had just taken his seat on a Boeing 747 in first class, and just before takeoff, the flight attendant came by and asked the champ to fasten his seatbelt. Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant said, yeah, Superman don't need a plane either. <laughs> well, guess what? You are not Superman and neither am I. And if you're trying to fly life by yourself, the enemy has got you seriously deceived and vulnerable. Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of a whole lot of you are since COVID. Watching online is not assembling together. Sorry. But exhorting one another. See, the enemy loves to isolate us. He loves to get us alone. He loves to get us into that John Wayne strong silent type. I don't need anybody mentality. But that's not masculine. It's not smart. It's not even Bible. It's stupid. Samuel Johnson wrote, if a man does not make new acquaintances as he advances through life, he'll soon find himself alone. A man must keep his friendships in constant repair. You don't just get friends like this for nothing. You have to invest time phone call, going somewhere together, being somewhere together. You may have to spend some money to fly there to be with these people, but it is worth the cost, and you work on those relationships all your life. Men, start that relationship with your wife. If you don't maintain any other friendship, boy, maintain that one. See, a woman who's allowed to see inside her husband's heart is a woman who becomes a friend for life. And listen, guys, you can afford to lose a lot of people. You know, I could have some elder get mad at me and leave. I could have some deacon get mad at me and leave. I could have some person. That isn't going to bother me, but I can't lose my wife. That will hurt. That's a serious bobo. No, no, no. I don't want, I don't want to lose my family, right? So stay close to a friend because friendship doubles your joy and divides your grief. Stay in the Word. Stay close to a friend. Third, stay away from immorality. You don't have to be rude, standoffish, cold, or abrupt, uh, self-righteous. Just keep appropriate distance in your relationships with the opposite sex. It's not rocket scientists. You don't need to be weird or act strange for people to uh, sense you've got a good, clean, pure attitude and heart. But keep your distance emotionally and keep your distance physically. And listen, this is a big problem for men because men are visual God made you that way. We notice stuff, you know, all the time. My wife will say to me, did you see that lady that came in? Did you see that? No. Where was she? No. Are you kidding me? I saw her. Men are made to see. That's why we especially are vulnerable and have to be careful. Am I telling the truth? I mean, don't get so righteous. I mean, dear God, I mean, if King David and any of the rest of them and Solomon could all fall prey to that, so can you, dude, and even easier. 
I'm just saying it's part of the life we, we live in, and it's something you have to work on all the time. Be careful you don't get so close you start crossing too many boundaries, right? And if you do that, you'll be just fine. And if you've made a mistake and you have uh, blown this deal, don't get under condemnation. God is a God of grace and mercy. Just confess it, repent of it, and say, okay, to keep my race going for the future, I've, that's not leading me into a good place. I'm breaking that off, right? That's all. It's simple. See, a recent carefully controlled study of 3,500 men and women provided some good insight into the thinking of conservative Christians. And the findings were eye-opening and shocking. It found that half of evangelical Christians believe sex doesn't necessarily have to be restricted to marriage. And according to the study, one out of every two men who claims to be a Christian buys that line. Of course, as a male, I wonder why. The same study looked at sexual faithfulness within marriage. And of those groups reporting who reported only one sex partner in the last 12 months, those of the Jewish faith led all others. Conservative Protestants came in second to last, just ahead of those who claim no religious affiliation at all. So it's the number one cause of men getting them distracted, not going the distance, not finishing strong. Nothing else is even a close second to sex right? Sex and food. Don't let it happen to you. In an article from 2022, it's reported that about 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic, and 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit internet pornography websites. In an article from Church Report magazine, it said 70% of pastors said they did not have a close friend and are hesitant to develop close friendships with church members because they didn't want to appear to show favoritism. That's so bogus. You can have all the friends you can handle. I prize every one of those friendships. Now, I can't be as close to my closest friends any more than Jesus could. To He had the one, the favorite. He had, that was John. He had the three, correct? Peter, James, John. And then he had the 12. And then he had the 70. And then he had the 120, and then he spoke to over 500. Everybody didn't have equal access, but everybody ha had some access. So you can't be as close to everybody or anybody, nor can I. That isn't even possible. But you better have some people around you close that you can confide in, that can speak to you. See? Are, are you going places you shouldn't be going? It can lead to disaster. Are you looking at things you shouldn't be looking at? Are you touching stuff you shouldn't be touching? I'm just saying, if you're not careful, if you don't take control of it, it'll take you out of the race. Ask old Samson about Delilah. Ask David about Bathsheba. These guys had a lot more going than we do. See, I've got a good friend in Europe who's in jail for sex with 13 or 14 of his female members. What? Dude, you've lost your mind. And he can prophesy and speak in tongues and all, but he couldn't stay out of bed. <laughs> now you think about what did I see just recently on the news? G GMA Good Morning America host Amy Robach and TJ Holmes had their affair public on a news channel. 
you sure don't want to have an affair on a news channel. And it got public and pictures came out and they were fired by ABC from Good Morning America and it's cost people their careers, their dignity, and in some cases, even their lives. Girls, understand something that I'm sure you know. And I heard one lady in a conference say this. Why buy the, buy the cow if the milk's free? And one lady preacher said, no ringy, no dingy. I heard, pretty good, pretty good sermon there. So, so stay in the word, stay close to a friend, keep your distance from immorality. And number four, stay alert, stay alert to Satan's tactics. He hasn't got any new ones. So we're supposed to wise up and say, oh, I see that coming. I've been there before. I lost that round, but I know, I know the tactic. I recognize this. I can defend against it. See, if you're going to go the distance and finish strong, you've got to stay alert to the schemes of the enemy. We are at war. So Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some poor victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Don't let the enemy tell you you're the only one. You're the only one this has happened to you. Rubbish. David Roper, I think, does a masterful job of describing our adversary, and I quote, he says, Satan is a gentleman, a charming fellow with immense power, subtlety, and thousands of years of experience. His chief aim is to injure the God against whom he once rebelled. To accomplish this, Satan misrepresents the Creator to his creatures, always attempting to frustrate uh, God's good purpose for them, and hopefully in the process, break the heart of God. Satan promises us the world, but everything is false and hollow. Though his tongue drops manna and makes the worse appear a better reason. Interesting line. Satan makes the worse appear better reason. You know, every person who's ever been conned by the enemy has fallen for that line. Like, well, it really won't hurt anybody if I sleep with this person who's not my spouse. Or divorce really won't hurt my children. After all, kids are resilient, aren't they? See, everybody fudges on their tax. And that kind of thinking uh, makes the worse appear to be a better reason. Well, everybody's doing it. No, everybody ain't doing it. Speak for yourself. Everybody's not doing it, right? All of us would like to do it, but we're not doing it, okay? So... Don't fall for it, or it'll keep you from going the distance and finishing strong. So we're in a battle, folks, all of us. Enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's never had a good thought about you. He's never felt like, I'm going to let up on you a little bit, give you a break. No. He wants you to gurgle your last breath and kill you. Kill your hopes, kill your dreams, kill your future, kill your children, kill your marriage, kill your potential, kill your health, anything he can do to steal, kill, or destroy. So you got to be smart, and you got to be sharp. That's why I want to go out with God's Word, because I don't get a Glock to go out against the enemy. That's for flesh. Yeah, and it's good for flesh that's trying to hurt you. But I've got a sword 
which is God's word, and that's the only attack weapon he gives us. So if you don't know that, how are you going to fight? How are you going to defend? How are you going to push back the enemy? See? And if you lose this battle, the stakes are unimaginably high. Listen to the words of Martin Luther Jones. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, not to realize you're in a conflict <laughs> means only one thing, is that you are so hopelessly defeated, so knocked out, you don't even know it. You are unconscious, dude. It means you are completely defeated by the enemy. Anyone who is not aware of a fight and a conflict in a spiritual sense is in a drugged and hazardous condition. Wow, that's true. See, this is no time to be on sedatives. It's time to stay alert, be sober-minded. And too many believers who started well fail to finish well. And history is replete with the wreckage of their lives. Here's a poem by Josiah Gilbert on God Give Us Men. He said, a time like this demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and ready hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill, men whom the spoils of office cannot buy, men who possess opinions and a will, men who love honor, men who will not lie. So make sure you stay in the Word. You stay close to a friend. Make sure you stay away from immorality. Make sure you stay alert to the tactics of the enemy. And in closing, let me remind everybody, God is more interested in who you are and what you are becoming than in all of your worldly activities, accomplishments, and pursuits. You might succeed as a business person or businesswoman. You might fail then as a father or mother. You're not going to be able to become what God intended you to be or to do what he intended you to do without diligent commitment to staying in the Word, staying close to a friend, staying away from immorality, staying alert to Satan's tactics. And by the way, if you know those, you can give advice to somebody who apparently doesn't know them and isn't heeding that warning. God can put people in your path as a breaker, as a, as a, as, as a red light saying, I want to save you from a lot of pain and trouble, and this person's going to get in your way, going to try to block you. That's good. That's God showing grace to you. He wants to preserve you. So God has a great purpose and plan for your life. But you and I have to walk daily with finishing strong and going the distance as my goal. If not, I can easily become distracted and preoccupied and miss out on all the good stuff God's got in store for you and for me. So question, are you in the Word? Do you have some kind of a devotional life? I showed you last week it won't take one minute and 30 seconds with our devotion book or on the Bible app just to read it with a cup of coffee. Do you have a real friend? Somebody said a real friend is somebody who will tell you the truth when you'd rather hear a lie. It's true. Who is that person that you can be totally transparent with and totally honest with? Are you flirting with immorality? You need to deal with it today. Put a stop to it before you find yourself living with a lot of pain and maybe a lot of regret. Are you staying alert to Satan's tactics? And trust me, he won't be satisfied till he reduces you to feeling like a loser. You gotta fight the good fight of faith. You gotta stay alert. 
Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.